0: has taught us, and the great things that God has done, and really that's what our our lessons this week are on, the glorious deeds of God, and if you haven't picked up a book, we still have some there, it's not too late to get on board with that, they're in the library, but you you can pick those up, but Psalm 78 is a focal point. And you notice as I begin reading in verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, And his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them. The children who would be born that they may arise and declare them to their children. That they may set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So, here in this passage, he said, God, you spoke to our fathers. Our fathers have taught us of these glorious deeds, these wonderful works of the the strength of you, and they made them known to us, and we are now to make them known to our children that the generation to come might know them. And he says here in, in verse 6, that they may arise and declare them to their children that they may set, their hope in God. So these glorious deeds, the mighty works of God, He's, God designed, and there are many passages in Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy 9, that are saying the things that you've seen and heard in me, I want you to commit them to the next generation and and write them on your doorposts and speak of them when you get up, and when you sit down to eat, and when you go out to work, and and when you lay down. And so he's saying, we are to talk of the glorious deeds of God to our children that their hope may be in the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 34 said it another way. He said, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. What I'm going to boast about is God, and when they start seeing the mighty works of God and see how mighty God is, to know Him is to love Him, to love Him is to obey Him, to obey Him is to glorify Him. You know, it doesn't matter which avenue you choose for schooling, every believer must home educate, meaning you need to be teaching, regardless of what you choose for schooling, you need to be teaching the glorious works of God to your children, to your grandchildren, and and we need to be teaching them to others. We need to talk of the glorious deeds of God. And you might say, well, you know... I haven't seen a Red Sea parted in my life, so I'm not going to write an Exodus 15 song. And you might be here today thinking, I don't know what the glorious deeds of God are. What are the glorious deeds of God that I can talk of and that we ought to talk of, specifically he's saying to children and grandchildren, but that they ought to be the talk of our lips to show others the glory of God. So we're going to list several today as a as a primer to get us started to practicing. Number one, and some of these I'm not going to take much time, but number one is creation, the glorious acts of God. I mean, and, and this is one I'm not going to take, much time on because it's it's so self-evident from sunrises to sunsets to to even just today driving in we drove past a, a alfalfa field and the rain it's already they've cut it bailed it and now it's coming back it's green it's that's a glorious act of God God bringing the rain, that's a glorious act of God. You, you dump all your Rathbun rural water or Sheraton city water or Cordon city water or your Derby well water or whatever, you dump that water on your garden or your crops and it's, it doesn't do near the job that God does, right? But we often, we often take these acts of God, all his creation, and people attribute it to Mother Nature. It ain't Mother Nature. It's God Almighty. That's who did these things. And, and Satan is, is robbing God of his glory because we don't talk of the creation of God. Second one, the, the miracle that, that you have in the Bible, this is a glorious deed of God. The Bible is the most despised, derided, denied, disputed, and dissected and debated book in all of history. No other book has, has been attacked. No other book has been debated. No other book has been examined like the Bible for centuries, since its very beginning. And yet the Bible is still the most read book the most published, the most translated book in the world. How did that come about? That's a glorious deed of God. God is preserving His Word. And it is still changing lives for those who are willing to apply its truth to their own life. Voltaire was a famous French philosopher, was a in in the sense, humanly speaking, a brilliant atheist. He wrote a number of tracts or pamphlets deriding the Bible, and he once made a very bold statement. He said, One hundred years from today, the Bible will be a forgotten book. Well, today no one remembers that quote. But people still remember the Bible. After Voltaire died for nearly a hundred years, his homestead was used as a book depository for the French Bible Society. Does God not have a sense of humor? They sold Bibles out of his house. It is now a museum, and people have by and large forgotten about Voltaire, but no one can forget the Bible. And and this is a... We just take it for granted. We don't talk of the miracle of this book. I mean, kids grow up in our Christian homes and it's, oh, take your Bible, like, oh, okay, big deal. We need to be reminded the miracle of this book. and And again, we're just touching on some of these. The glorious deeds of God. The biblical narrative of God. I mean, this history is His story. Now, apply that to the day. Is there any correlation between destroying the statues and our history today? We'll talk more about that tonight, but history is God's story. And God has an overall plan of all of creation and all of, of his works. And it began, we go back, the meta narrative of the, in other words, the theme of God's working. And, and in the most basic forms, if you remember, maybe a couple years ago, creation, fall, okay, God created man. And in innocence and in fellowship with God. And then mankind fell. They didn't believe God. They believed Satan. They sinned. And with that came the curse. And we could spend the rest of the year preaching on the consequences of that decision right there. But creation, fall, God promised after the fall that he would send his Redeemer, redemption, to buy us back, to pay the penalty for our sin, to restore us to fellowship with God, that we were created for fellowship with God. There's so much that's involved in all of this. Unless we're made to have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, we never fulfill the purpose that we, God designed us for, and we always have emptiness in our life. And you're seeing that working out in the world today. They're thinking, I'll find fulfillment in this and this and this. No. All throughout Scripture, this is the narrative. Creation, fall, Jesus Christ came to redeem us, to forgive us of our sins, to bring us back to fellowship with Him, to shepherd us through this life, and someday then to bring restoration. Those four things, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Someday, everything will be brought back to the exact way God designed it to be. We will be in perfect fellowship with God. No more battle with the flesh. No more battle with sin. Satan will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. You should say amen to that because aren't you sick of all Satan's works? His day is coming, and he knows his day is short. But there is a day of restoration coming. That's why you ought to sit over here. This is the restoration section, right? But this is, this is the story in the Bible. It's not a story. This is the reality. This is what God is doing. And, and it's so much more. And that's, that's the glorious deeds of God. What an amazing. Things aren't out of control. God is working everything to the very end of his restoration. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's what we have to look forward to. And and this is a glorious deed of God. And you can dive as deep into this as you want. You can d- dive into Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, he came in all the aspects of Him. And that's the next thing. Jesus Christ, the glorious deed of God. Jesus Christ. And, and we grow up and we're familiar with it. And it's the Christmas story and the Easter account and all these things. But Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Have you ever heard of such a thing? That's a glorious deed of God. I mean, if, if, if I went out, I've got a, a little heifer calf, okay? And if I lock that thing up by itself, and no other animal ever got to it, and nine months from today it delivered me a calf, I'd make the news, right? I've got a virgin-born calf. That'd be amazing. How did that happen? Oh, your neighbor's bull got in. Nope. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? But we say, yeah, Jesus came. This is incredible. This is something familiarity breeds contempt at times. And we're so familiar with it. Tell me something else. This is a glorious deed of God that He lived a sinless life. The miracles that He did. And we're not going to rehearse those. The crucifixion, that is a, I don't know if I'd say a glorious deed. It is a mighty work of God, but its it was a gruesome because He was bearing our sin. And this is a work of God that He did that for me. And then you talk about, to me, the pinnacle of the glorious deed of After three days and three nights, up from the grave he arose, pow, right there. Satan is defeated, done, over, the victory is won. That's a glorious deed. So much so that they said, man, to celebrate this, we're going to meet no longer on the Sabbath day. We're going to meet on the first day of the week, and that's why we're meeting today. The glorious resurrection, I serve a living Savior. This is a a glorious deed of God. And every Sunday it ought to be a reminder to us of the glorious work of God. And then to think of all the prophecies that were fulfilled already in Jesus Christ. And again, we're not going to take the time. And, And he has fulfilled them. And there are still some that he's going to fulfill. And we can rejoice that he's going to fulfill them because he's kept his word in every prophecy that he's given. So you think about the glorious deeds of God in creation, in giving us the Bible, in the biblical narrative, in Jesus Christ. But then I think another strong, strong testimony of the glorious deeds of God is the nation of Israel. I mean, from its very inception with Abraham, to again, I'm just finishing up reading through Deuteronomy. I I always look forward to Deuteronomy. I don't know if why it's um, it's because when you read through the Bible, you go Genesis, Exodus. And then you wade through Leviticus and Numbers. And it's almost like Deuteronomy is a bright light shining after some. But there's some amazing things in the book of Deuteronomy. But the nation of Israel, God said in Deuteronomy 28, if you follow my commands, I will bless you. I will do this, this, this and this. And he then said, if you don't. I'll have other nations come and rule over you. You will be scattered. You will know my wrath. And we know what happened. They didn't obey God. They went after foreign gods. And God scattered them. And no nation that has ever been scattered like Israel has ever been brought back together. Until God did it. Because he promised Israel. He said, um, I am going to bring you back. I am going to reign and rule over you. And in miraculous workings of God, God moved on foreign nations, nations that did not profess to be followers of God, to move on their hearts in, in the last century to raise up with the Balfour Declaration to say, it is now time to give the Jews a land of their own. Where would that come from? That's a glorious deed of God. And he gave them back this land, and then in 1948, they became a nation again. This is this has never ever happened in all of history. This is a glorious deed of God. And since 1948 there have been God has been bringing people back to Israel from all over the world using many different means to bring this about. And this little postage stamp of a country everybody around them hates them and is committed To wipe them off the face of the earth. And they've tried. Days after they became a nation, armies came marching on them. Israel didn't really even have an army. And the armies marching upon them could not defeat them. And Israel won. In 1967, the Six-Day War. Miraculous. Even hearing Israelis, who are not followers of Jesus Christ, talk about this war, they say it was an intervention of God. And the nation Israel, the mighty deeds, they, they have blessed, they have blessed the world. And God said, if you bless Israel, I will bless you. And if you curse Israel, I will curse you. And, and you can mark history. The nations that have blessed Israel have been blessed. And those that have cursed... Have, have been cursed. And we are in a, a very critical stage in our nation because we are talking about dividing up the land that God gave them. Well, that's not blessing Israel. That's cursing Israel. And some interesting things are happening around that. But the glorious deeds of, of God, you look at the nation Israel. Let me mention another one. Look at the nation of the United States of America. Glorious deeds of God. We sing God shed his grace on thee. Indeed he did the the founding of our country the glorious deeds as we would get in and again I'm just it's like it's like skipping a rock, and I hope I'm being more successful than the last time I was at a lake, okay? But we're, we're hitting these things, and these are things that we need to be talking to our children and our spouses and our grandchildren and our co-workers and our neighbors. Talk of the glorious deeds of God that their hope might be in God. We say, man, we're, we're losing people from Christianity well, it's because it's not because God's the problem. it's because we haven't talked of the glorious deeds of God, going back to our nation, the Declaration of Independence, there had never been well, man, go back to the Mayflower Compact. There had never been a nation that had this. Never been a declaration of independence with the statement that is given in that. And again, I don't have time to go into it. The intervention of God miraculously in the Revolutionary War. Um, George Washington had more lives than a cat. The man survived smallpox when he was a child. He encountered a Native American war party during one of his early surveying trips and he was in, in the crosshairs. He was in the aim of Native Americans. And he survived the series of campaigns against him. In fact, one of those Indians later met him and said, I have to shake your hands. There is no reason you should be alive after where I, where I was and what I plan to do. And for some reason you survived it. During the Revolutionary War, um, he was he was dealing with sick troops, and and himself being sick, and and was the most wanted man on the face of the earth at that time, and he surrounded that in the War of eighteen twelve. Excuse me, I'm getting my dates mixed up here. But in, in the war, British troops gathered around him. And Washington, it says, was suffering severe headaches and running a fever. He had two horses shot out from under him. Four bullets put through his coat. It wasn't he was holding his coat up and saying, try to shoot my coat. He had his coat on. And there were four bullets that went through his coat, and he lived to tell about it. That's a mighty deed of God. That That's the mighty history of God. And, and he had his hat shot off his head in the same battle. And the reality, these are the works of God, the glorious deeds of God. We, we don't hear often about... The Things of God's Intervention. Um, Get the book, The Mighty Hand of God, and, and you'll read more about these. But the Battle of Long Island could have ended the American Revolution. The British had all but defeated the Continental Army. They decided to hold off for one final assault until British ships had cut off any threat of Americans retreating across the river. And while the British waited... Washington, decided to attempt an evacuation. He had a single night to get 9,000 men to safety right under the Redcoats' noses. Boats made multiple trips across the river hauling men and horses. And when the sun began to rise, a large portion of the American forces were still left in Brooklyn. The British, however would never manage to capture those men as a heavy fog suddenly descended over the area. It lasted just long enough for Washington and his men to make their way of escape. In fact, the fog, for some inexplicable reason, left New York perfectly clear. It was only over these soldiers. In short, the fog somehow hid the Americans without touching any other area. And the American evacuation was complete. And and when they saw this, they knew this was a mighty hand of God. In the War of 1812, see, this is stuff that you need to be teaching at home. We wouldn't have people saying America is a bad country. We've had 60 years of being taught America is a bad country. No, America has been seeing the hand of God, and we are following in the path of Israel and turning our back on God, and God says, okay, here's the consequences. In the War of 1812, one of the events that um, is often overlooked Um, Dolly Madison saved a full-size portrait of George Washington before fleeing the White House. See, they were after destroying things clear back then. Shortly thereafter, the British tried, took, and then tried to burn Washington, D.C. The operative word there is they tried. The British probably felt quite pleased with themselves when they set fire to the Capitol Of that young nation that had beaten them just 30 years earlier, impossibly. Greatest upset of all time. Apparently, however, God did not care for the British plans to burn Washington, D.C. to the ground. And he sent a hurricane ashore. The pouring rains put out the many fires the British had set. But the downpour was apparently not content with simply thumbing its nose at the British. Instead, the already brutal storm decided to drop a tornado in the middle of the British forces. The funnel cloud ripped up trees, leveled buildings, and was recorded as tossing British canyon cannons at terrified redcoats. All of this in spite of the fact that Washington, D.C. has had a total of seven tornadoes in all its history, three of them which never did register even an F1 on the scale. That's a mighty hand of God. I mean, we could go on. The Battle of the Bulge. Um, in Belgian town, twelve thousands of Americans were were encircled and besieged by desperate German forces and they were given the word to surrender. And Brigadier General Anthony McAuliffe replied with one word, nuts, meaning forget that. Patton, General George Patton, already planning to break the siege, reported stated that a man that eloquent has to be saved, meaning General McLaughlin. Man that eloquent that just says, nuts, we're not going to do this. He didn't say we're not going to do it. He said one word, okay? Patton planned to save the besieged troops. However, he was stymied with horrid weather. After swearing viciously at the clouds, Patton summoned the 3rd Army Chaplain Colonel James O'Neill and told him to draft a prayer that would break up the weather and allow Patton to rescue. O'Neill wrote a prayer. Patton had the prayer distributed to his men on 250,000 wallet-sized cards. Those men started praying this prayer, and apparently O'Neill's prayer was better than Patton's curses. The weather abruptly cleared and allowed the third army to reinforce and rescue. Those are the mighty deeds of God. Nations don't rise and fall apart from the hand of God. And and many of these stories we've never heard because we've been educated in a, in a culture that says America is bad, and it goes back, I started school in 1960, okay? Some of my early days of schooling, I can remember when the school would, would take kids to buses and bus us to churches for release time classes. We were bused to churches to be taught the Bible. I think it was two Tuesdays a month. That quickly changed. Most of my education, I was not taught how great America is. In fact, to learn how great America is, you have to study it yourself to understand the hand of God. The problem is, we haven't been declaring the glorious deeds of God. But the greatest of all, for us personally the glorious deed of God, is salvation. None of these other things matter if it hasn't reached to us personally. I mean, all the creation, you can can rejoice in that. There are people that worship the Bible in essence, but they don't worship God. There are people that love America and are thankful for Israel and all this. But until it is made personal in your life, until you have personally come to the point where you know you are a condemned sinner worthy and deserving of hellfire separation from God and cry out to Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin, that is the greatest deed of God in rescuing us from condemned to pardoned from darkness and no hope to light, from death to life. Spurgeon made a little track, and on it he said, Will you take a little time alone this evening, after you have weighed your condition before the Lord, to write down one of two words? If you feel that you are not a believer, write down condemned. If you feel you are a believer in Jesus Christ and have put your trust in Him alone, write down, forgiven. Be aware, you are either, Spurgeon said, you are either one or the other. You are either today, sitting right here. You are either condemned or you are forgiven. There's no in-between. And remember, if you are condemned Today, you are condemned, and apart from Christ, you are condemned and not in hell yet. But unless you do something different, the day is going to come where you will be condemned forever in the lake of fire. But if you have called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, this is a glorious, glorious, glorious deed of God. We are adopted into His family we are forgiven. We are a child of God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. We, we forget about this glorious deed of God. When's the last time you went and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul? When's the last time you even told anybody, you know what? when I was a child or when I was 17 or when I, whenever God broke upon my heart to make me see my condition and that I am condemned and God opened my eyes to see Jesus is the only way of forgiveness and I called upon him and since then I have a hope in heaven. I have a strength that is beyond me. This is a glorious deed of God that we forget that we're not talking about. And let me mention one other aspect of God's glorious deeds, the Holy Spirit's personal work in our life. What a glorious deed that God would give his spirit to live within me, to live within you. I don't know about you. Um, I wasn't the valedictorian of my class. I wasn't the brightest bulb. Some of you homeschoolers were the valedictorian of your class. but I remind you, you were the bottom one in your class too, all right? But the reality is that God would give me His Spirit to, when I read the Bible, open my eyes to, to speak to me and say, no, don't be saying that. Yes, say this. Go here, do this right that he would would even mess with me. That's incredible. And then the story of God personally working in our lives. I mean, not just in the big things, in, in the little things. And, and the working of God personally in our lives, sometimes it's consequences. It's, it's the spanking of the Lord he brought into my life. But that was a good thing, because he loved me. Sometimes it was the the good consequences of, wow, I, I did obey the Spirit here, and, and look at this. But that, not only that, to see and recognize the events of God brought into your life in, in bringing you here to where you are today. I mean, I think back, my grandfather left Odessa, when he was 18 years old, barely had the money, had to go beg on the on the sea dock enough money to get on the ship to make it here. How my life would have been different if he didn't get enough money to get on that ship? He went as an 18-year-old by himself. I'm thinking, for crying out loud, you talk about to a country he didn't know the language, had some relatives. I mean, that's a mighty work of God that in my life that was long before I came along. And you go back and start looking at things in your life that God has done. And and it is a glorious deed. Every Someday God's going to sit down with us and say, Look, at this is a glorious deed I did in your life. Oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. And this is a glorious deed. Oh, I complained about that. Oh, this was a glorious... And He's going to show us... And he's saying here, it is time that we as believers start talking. We listed eight things. That ought to be enough to get you jump started to come back tonight and share the glorious deeds of God. And, and we want you prepared. I may even call on you. What's the glorious deed of God that you're, you can talk of and show the power of God? That's a way to not build attendance tonight, right? I don't really care, to be honest with you. If you don't want to talk about the glorious deeds of God, stay home. You say, whoa, that's, that's where we're at. If we don't, This is Scripture. If we don't talk about the glorious deeds of God, God says, forget it. I'll write Ichabod over it. That means the glory of God has departed. And this is the reality of it. So you might say, well, how can I see the glorious deeds? There's all kinds of glorious deeds of God in your life. But let me just say this. Four things. How to see the glorious deeds of God. You must be saved. That's the number one thing. If you're here today and you have never called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you're condemned. That's it. You're condemned. John 3.36, read it. He that believeth not is condemned already. That's what God says. And until you call upon Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, you will be condemned. So it begins, first of all, and then once you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells within you. I mean, that is first and foremost. But then it's important to see the glorious deeds of God we must be saturated in the Word. I mean, it's as we, as we expose ourselves to the Word of God, and as, as we are in the Word and see the principles of God, then we can start putting it together, and we start seeing, wow, that is a glorious deed of God. Then, not only be saturated in the Word, we must be submissive to the Spirit. It doesn't do any good to have the spirit and then not listen to him or not obey him. I mean, you're not content as a parent if your kids listen to you. Up, oh, they listened to me, okay, went and did the exact opposite. You idiot, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Some of you some of us have said that. Most all of us have thought it, right? And believe me, Our parents thought it about us because we went and did our own thing. And God gave us his spirit to obey. It's obeying the spirit of God. And then it's giving yourself to be a servant. It's not about me. It's serving. And when you serve God, God loves to step in and show glorious deeds. What was George Washington? He was a servant of the Lord he didn't feel any special this is what god called him to and and god has called you and he's called us to be servants in the book and and i'll read this quote and tonight i think it's three times if you didn't get it as you're going through the book we pray you'll get it but here's the statement god's glorious deeds are meant to excite our minds to want to know more and more about God. To move our hearts to love and treasure Him most of all. And to shape our will to trust and depend on Him completely. You know what? When, when kids sit around and hear us complain, that's what they pick up on. But when kids sit around and hear us talk of the glorious deeds of God, it excites their hearts to want to know him more. And it doesn't necessarily matter what curriculum you have. And by the way, you know, um, Sunday school and church things are meant to be supplements, not substitutes for what takes place in homes. And until we get back to where we talk about the glorious deeds of God, think about this. It hit me this morning. Do I spend more time thinking about the works of Satan or the works of God? The works of Satan, Minneapolis, Louisville, riots, Washington, D.C. What do I spend more time thinking about? Is it any wonder we're battling anxiety and depression and all these things. But if we think about the glorious deeds of God, man, that would make a difference in our lives. And that's why I said, think on these things. Whatsoever true and honest and just and pure and lovely, only God meets those. And the reality is, um, what a great, great God we serve. And we need to spend more time thinking on His glorious deeds. I'm going to ask Jason if he'll come, and and he's going to sing the first verse of this song, The Wonder of It All. It's, I think, 142, is it? He's going to sing the first verse. Then he's going to sing the third verse, and we're going to join, join him on the chorus. But I want you, in your heart, to be thinking on But the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that Jesus loves me. The greatest deed of God that we just kind of, yeah, I'm saved. No, no, no. That's the greatest work of God. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. It's not joy in heaven... Uh, When your team wins, well, there's no teams playing, so they're all losing, right? They're all undefeated. There's no joy in heaven when the markets go up or down or whatever, but there's joy in heaven. God's saying, that is my pinnacle, glorious deed, and what a blessing it is. You think of it and share together.